Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Throughout history, the Ark of the Covenant was crucial to the nation of Israel. The Bible tells us that after the tabernacle was completed in Exodus 40 and the Ark was placed in the Holy of Holies, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle. From that moment on, the presence of the Lord was associated with the ark. Whenever Jehovah desired to move on the earth, the ark led the way. In battle, as long as Israel was following Jehovah's lead and the ark was present, they knew that God was with them, and they prevailed. However, in the waning years of the Aaronic priesthood, not only the people in general, but even the priests themselves, no longer had a heart for the Lord and for His needs. Rather, all of their attention was focused on their own needs, their own desires, and their own security. And when in this situation they tried to use the ark in a superstitious way, not only did the ark seem to lose its miraculous powers, but Jehovah allowed it to be taken by the Philistines, and it was separated from the tabernacle. And the result, as spoken in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 22, was the greatest tragedy for the glory had departed from Israel, for the ark of God had been taken. Francis Ball has joined us for our fellowship today, once again on the waning period of the Aaronic priesthood. And uh, Francis, after having come through the books of Lamentations and Jeremiah, we saw a lot of degradation. We find it still with us here in these books of Samuel, don't we? Well, not only here, Chris, but I believe we have to realize and be awakened to the fact that we have degraded ourselves. And among God's people today, there is this sort of thing that was practiced by those in Israel in that day. So I hope we can get a real lesson from today's message. Hmm. I believe there's something in here to warn us and to uh, show us that Israel is not the only one who's gotten degraded. Of course, in the history of Israel and these Old Testament types and figures, the tabernacle we know is a type of Christ. It's also a type of the enlargement of Christ, which is the house of God, the church. And within the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, in this designated area, was this very unique uh, vessel, this container called the Ark of the Covenant. And in typology, of course, the Ark, we all realize, is associated with even Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, the presence of God in dwelling and upon the Ark really 
typifies and indicates the presence of God in Christ. And especially when Christ is properly in the tabernacle, in the house, in the church, there's a kind of glory associated with it. But when his presence has departed, uh, we're no better, are we, than uh, Israel was in this situation. I'm afraid that is the case, and it really is something to see how the glory was there when the ark was in the tabernacle. Yeah. But we're going to see today how the ark was taken out of the tabernacle. Well, here was the situation as we uh, uh, tried to summarize it in the opening today. Israel has degraded, has fallen very low, and the armies of the Philistines are prevailing against them, and the elders are scrambling, trying to find something uh, to preserve their safety, to prevent their uh, being completely Uh, wiped out and uh, beaten badly by the Philistines. So we come to chapter 4, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel, and Israel went forth against the Philistines in battle. And the Philistines arrayed themselves against Israel, and Israel was struck down before the Philistines. And the elders of Israel said, Why has Jehovah struck us down today before the Philistines? Let us take for ourselves the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah from Shiloh, that it may come into our midst and thus save us from the hand of our enemies. Of course, the tabernacle had been erected in Shiloh within the good land, and the ark was there where it properly should be within the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. But here, uh, as we were discussing, the elders are really searching for some sort of solution, aren't they, Francis, to a difficult situation? It seems to be a desperate time and a desperate situation with the Philistines coming against them, And they're seeking now for a miraculous way out, some divine intervention. And they associated that with having the ark. So if they could bring the ark out, so they went by the past experiences Mm -hmm. and not by the present contact with the Lord. And they tried to utilize or usurp God to come into their rescue. Okay, there's the background. I think we'll uh, get some good fellowship from Witness Lee that you and I can... uh chew on a little bit when we come back in just a few minutes. So let's join Witness Lee. We come to another situation in the history concerning Samuel. That is the very serious thing concerning God's ark in the tabernacle. What is that ark? That is the presence of God. For what purpose? For the purpose of accomplishing God's economy. God chose the race of Israel and brought them out of Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai and stayed there for at least close to one year to train them, to give them his economy, to charge them to build a tabernacle with the ark, to make it known that God was carrying out his economy. Moses knew this. It was not an ark for your kind of prosperity, for your kind of safety, for your kind of safeguard, for your healing, for your profit. No, it is an ark which signifies Christ as the presence of the triune God to be with his people for the carrying out of God's economy to establish one kingdom on the earth. But the elders at Samuel's time, they didn't regard this. They knew the history. In the past, God did go out in the ark 
to fight the battle for his people Israel. But this time, the situation is absolutely different. These degraded people, they didn't have any heart about God's desire, about God's eternal economy. They only cared for their safety, for their safeguard, for their profit, for their peace, their rest, their protection. Everything should be theirs. So they played, they usurped the ark. But God was really God. He guarded himself. He protected his holiness. Francis, there's unmistakably, or inescapably, maybe a better expression, there's a parallel between the situation that we're reading about in Samuel and our situation today. Many times, genuine spiritual experiences from the past are called upon or sort of resurrected, so to speak, uh, but with a different kind of motive, a different kind of aim, and certainly a different result. And we can't uh, help but notice this parallel, can we? I believe this is really the case because the tendency is to rely upon some past unusual experience or some even superstitious Mm -hmm. uh, means to try to get help in time of desperate need. And we're not thinking then in that case about God's need or about God's economy, but we're thinking about our own need and our own economy and our own safety. And so we really try to get God to come and do for us what he did before at his initiation, but we try to make him now work at our initiation. That seems to be the case with Israel at this time, especially with the elders among Israel. They just felt now they needed to call back that ark and let it take the lead like they had before. But this time, God had not initiated that, but Mm. they thought they could get the ark and that it would just supernaturally take care of their need. Yeah, I think they fell into the trap that, again, I think is very easy for us to fall in, and that their trust or their appreciation was on the item that had been used by God rather than on God himself. Of course, God's presence had previously dwelt in and upon that ark, and it was God's presence that had secured the victory and provided the glory. But without that presence, the ark was not what they had hoped it would be. And many times, as you said, we may lean on something that God had done in the past without really relying on him and certainly without contacting him as to his need and his desire in the process. That's right. It's very hard to understand many of these things if we don't know and don't care for God's economy, for God's need and what he wants, how he wants to establish a kingdom on this earth. When the children of Israel were moving through the wilderness and they had the tabernacle, they had the ark, they had Jehovah's presence filling uh, the tabernacle in the ark, when he was ready to move, when it was his desire, his initiation, of course, the cloud uh, went forward, and that was their signal, a time to pack up the uh, tabernacle. Yeah, I'm right. And they had a means of transporting the ark with the staves and the rods, and we've all heard those stories, I think, how they were you know, prohibited from touching it directly, but they had this, uh, this way to preserve God's holiness and his presence in a proper way, handle him in a proper way. And it was all uh, under his headship, his direction. As you pointed out, we don't see any signs of that here, do we? No, we don't. And instead, we see some presumption, yeah. some usurping, according to their past concept of what God would do in this emergency. 
Well, let's go back to Witness Lee. We're going to stay on this same line of fellowship, really looking at this uh, whole sequence uh, that's pointed out in chapters 4 through 7. So let's go back, and then we'll come back again. The ark was made 1500 before Christ, and the ark had been with children of Israel for about 400 years, quite a long time. There was always a good record about the ark of God. But now, in this section, chapter 4, 5, 6, a little bit of chapter 7, there was a history of the ark. If you read this portion with the view of God's economy, you understand why God created the universe, why God created man, why God chose the race of Israel. You have to answer just for his economy. Then what happened with Israel? These people, they just got so degraded to the uttermost, neglecting, even giving up any thought of God's economy. They were there for their kind of safety, peace, and rest. They had no consideration concerning God's economy, concerning God's move on this earth, concerning God's kingdom. Now, something happened to them. They thought, well, we got defeated. Why God wouldn't care for us? So we just bring his ark out to fight for us. You see, to bring the ark out with the elders, that was a kind of usurping. When Moses built the ark in Exodus, he built in a sense to signify that God is with his people in Christ. And Christ is typified by this ark. At Mount Sinai, God gave them the word to move on. So Moses offered a prayer to God. O Jehovah, O Jehovah, rise up. May your enemies be all scattered. So the ark took the lead to travel onward. That was a true picture of God's move in the stars in the ark. But here, you couldn't see such a thing. God had no heart to move. But the elders usurped God. Francis, in the current situation, many times we see aspects of Christ miracles of Christ, the power of God called upon, and the focus seems to be very much on improving the prosperity or the health or the personal situation of the the believers, the hearers of this kind of uh, presentation. What he is saying here uh, is all related to uh, understanding God's move, understanding his purpose in light of his economy which is an entirely different matter than what I just described. Contrast these two, particularly focusing on God's economy. What is God's economy, once again? I think that's the most important thing in reading the Bible and understanding God's Word and God's ways. 
if we just depend on our own experience and we're always concerned about our own condition and how we're doing and how we're needing some help or needing some healing or anything like that, and we forget all about God's purpose and what God's economy had in mind. This is very important because if we don't see that God's intention is to work himself into his believers so he can be one with them and like 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, mm-hmm. he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. God's intention is to be one with his people, have his people one with him, so he can be expressed and eventually would establish his kingdom on the earth. But our intention and our failure so often is just our own desire, our own recognition of our needs, just according to what we feel is necessary, and we try to use God Mm-hmm. to accomplish these things for us, not thinking, not realizing that God wants to be life in us. He wants to use us and to work through us to accomplish his purpose. That's really a good point, particularly the way you said it. We try to use God rather than allowing him to use us for his purpose. Of course, when we are in his economy and we're really focused on him and his need, our needs and situation gets taken care of, it seems, without uh, too much difficulty for him. I think those of us that have had some light in this regard about God's economy and have been helped so much by this ministry in particular realize that our needs are not what we thought they were, but they all get met. Uh, The joy can fill our hearts. The uh, mishaps, so-called, and the unpleasant things don't seem to matter that much when we have God's interest in view. In the final segment today, let's come back to this matter of the ark being removed from the tabernacle. Of course, not only uh, had it lost its proper place, but I would say a result effect of that, that we should not lose sight of. The ark properly belongs and must be in the tabernacle. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. Chapter 7, verse 3 tells us Samuel rose up and took care of the returned, repented children of Israel to bring the whole situation back into the proper order. But still not so proper because the ark came back and stayed in a home under the care of the proper priesthood, but the ark still didn't go back to the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was at Siloam for 20 years while Samuel was growing up in that tabernacle. Quite an abnormal situation. 20 years Samuel was impressed with this abnormal situation. I do believe Samuel should have been taught about the tabernacle, about the ark, but now what he saw was not in normal condition. The ark was away. The tabernacle was here. You know, when Solomon became king, he wanted to worship God, human desire, to worship God at the tabernacle. In the night, a dream came to him, telling him, no, this is not the right place for us to worship God. You better go to the ark. You have to worship God there. Well, the ark didn't have such a history. Who caused this history? 
the degraded, careless elders as the leading ones among the children of Israel. They usurped God. Then eventually that usurped ark was captured by the waning Philistines, indicating that the glory had departed from Israel. The ark suffered removal. For 20 years, God was homeless. For 20 years. Who caused these? Those foolish elders of Israel. Francis, to fill in a, a few of the gaps in the story here, uh, after the Philistines had uh, successfully defeated the Israelites, they took the ark and they took it back to their place. But there it was proved to be quite troublesome for them. And they uh, had an idea they better return this ark mm -hmm. uh, before serious problems. And there's a kind of an interesting anecdote maybe you can fill in about to how they returned the ark. But the point is that even when they returned it, the Lord was not quick to send it back to the tabernacle, was he? And it was kept in the house of one of the homes of the Israelites for this 20-year period while Samuel was growing and developing. So mm -hmm. it was not a normal situation with the ark outside of the tabernacle, was it? No, it wasn't. And that in itself is a big lesson, that the ark needs to be in the tabernacle because God's presence is in the ark. And the tabernacle is the enlargement of that ark. So that ark is out of the tabernacle. The tabernacle loses its function, and the ark is not kept in the holy place that it should be. So that's the reason God wanted the ark in the holiest of all, in the tabernacle. The tabernacle actually is an enlargement of that ark. Mm. And that in itself is a tremendous lesson because that ark is a type of Christ. And the tabernacle is an expanded ark. But without Christ being in the proper place and having the proper expression, God's purpose can't be fulfilled. But he still will protect his holiness, just like he did with the ark. When the ark was outside, even with the Philistines, God dealt with the Philistines in a very severe way. Tumors broke out all over, and mice began to eat away. And they were just doing anything now to get rid of this troublesome thing that was in their midst. But they didn't dare send it back empty, knowing that it was from God. But their diviners and their so-called priests and their religion devised a way. Just put some golden mice and some golden tumors, make some model of these two things, and put it in that ark as a sin offering. That was their concept. Right. And send it back. But everywhere that ark went, in the Philistine cities was trouble and torment and judgment. So it was for 20 years after that ark was brought back, as you mentioned. So these 20 years, while this was happening in such an abnormal way, Samuel is growing up. So by the end of the time, when the ark is sent back and it's back in Israel, even though it's not back to the proper place yet, at least it's back in Israel. And so uh, Samuel is raised up now and he becomes the proper priest. So the ark was put back into a house of a caretaking priest, you might say, right. in the meantime, until the situation could be normalized. The ark is also called the ark of the testimony. And I think the point you're making here, until Samuel as the priest was prepared, the testimony really wasn't proper right. among God's people, even in God's house. And he was waiting patiently 
so that the testimony could be properly restored. And when that time came, of course, yeah. the ark is now able to be returned. That's right. Boy, the typology here is really tremendous, isn't it? There are so many parallels. It's so uh, encouraging to realize that God has protected his glory and his center is Christ. And his economy is to have a place where his holiness can be demonstrated. Boy, Francis, in these Old Testament books, many times reading about uh, Israel's failures is really reading about our own failures. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it seems like the Lord's light comes and his mercy comes and a way comes. And we're restored once again. Another beneficial trip into the Old Testament through our brother's eyes in this life study ministry. Thank you for your help and participation today. Thank you for allowing me to come. Always happy to have you. And we hope you'll uh, get the printed life study messages for First and Second Samuel. I think you're getting a taste now of what we're uh, touching in this Old Testament book, very New Testament in the application and the light that we're seeing. So take advantage. Contact us, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.